0: Hello, I'm Matt Price, and this is Conversations with Criminals. This is part two of a chat that I had with Vinnie Bradish, once one of Britain's most notorious bank robbers, and now a very different person who offers such an interesting insight into crime and being a long-term prisoner. Today I ask him about prison violence and some of the misconceptions about it, the differences between maximum security and lower category prisons as well which surprised me. We also talk about getting out of prison after a long-term sentence and trying to adapt to a more normal life. And most importantly, we hear what Vinnie is doing now and it's just so interesting. Now, this is a guy who's gone from being a notorious bank robber to now doing lots of other really interesting things from hypnotherapy and NLP, which is neuro-linguistic programming to reading books like The Secret and really believing in the law of attraction. And one of his aims is to train to be a firewalking instructor as well. So it's a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. Vinny actually mentioned that he intends to write a book and I think it'll be very, very interesting. I would definitely read it. So there we go. This is part two of Vinny Bradish. My apologies that this came out later than I would have liked. I've had a bit of a nightmare at home. We don't really need to be hearing that, but we have, we've had water sort of leaking in through the roof and flashing lights and all sorts of things going on. So I'm back. And what an absolute banger, as the youth would say. This is a great interview and I hope you enjoy it. This is Vinnie Bradish, part two.
1: Uh, yeah, you might think you can't do a sentence, but what can you do? You have to do it, you know. And one day it just goes into the next. The next thing you've done five years. Like when I first went into a White Moor High Security after leaving Belmarsh, I went in there and I remember coming out of there after about five and a half, six years. And I was sat in the same room that i had gone in five years before. And I thought... And I looked around, I thought, what the fuck was that all about? I thought, I've just done five, six years in there. It's like going into a washing machine and then coming back out again, you know? Yeah. And so that's it. And then you go to another prison, you're doing another couple of years there, and then you move on another couple of years there. And that's how it's broken up.
0: Have you ever seen anyone who was like a fish out of water, though? Because there's all sorts of people in prison. That that's it. Yes. It's not just armed robbers and drug dealers, no, is it? No, there
1: ain't. There's plenty of people in there for murder and that. And like... Sometimes the the people that were convicted of murder murder would really surprise me because you get some small fellow in there, tiny fellow, skinny as anything, and he's killed someone. You're thinking, what the fuck? Thought, it's just unbelievable. Like you would expect a murderer to like to be maybe um, I don't know some type of monster type of person, but the next thing you see there there there's people in there convicted of murder left, right, and centre. There was a guy I met in there, he was—he um, stabbed his wife to death. He stabbed her 36 times and killed her. And he got eight years for manslaughter. Wow. And you're thinking, he's got eight years for fucking manslaughter. He stabbed his wife all that time, all that amount of times. And so uh, it's just the way it is, you know.
0: How d- d- does word, d- does everyone know what everyone's done in jail? Yeah, usually you do, yeah how how does that happen so like say say i went in mm. day 1 would someone just come up and say why are you here yeah, they
1: might not ask it straight away but some people might ask what you in for like you might be on your journey to the prison like stopping off in a in a in a holding rooms somewhere um and like if you go into a cell like if you're in a prison and you're in a two men cell um the person might ask what you in what are you in for and because, uh, like, he he he, he might want to know, you know, because oh, the longer, the more you get to know him, you're probably going to start telling him what you're in for, because you you got a lot of stuff. You might be stressed. You you if you just got a sentence, ten, fifteen, twenty years, or whatever, you might you going to have to unload some of that baggage, so to speak, and um, and you tell the person what you're in for. A lot of people they don't tell people the complete details of everything, and and sometimes you don't want to ask them details, or you don't want to know them. Yeah. You just know the person's in there, or or you might be talking. I might be talking to you, and someone else might say to me, "Do you know what he's in for?" And I might say, "Oh, I haven't got a clue." And he said, well, he's in for this. He's in for that." I said, "Fucking hell, I would never afford it." Like, but for me, sometimes when you go into prisons, you can you can look at some people and and you and you would guess what they're in for. Like a fraudster would look like, you know, like a fraudster would look like. Oh, really? Yeah, a person like if I seen you in there, I'd think maybe he's got to be a fraudster. <laughs> I say, <laughs> he can't be. A, he, he don't look like an arm robber or something, you know. Like yeah, you know, like if a person looks like they're quite wet, or if you speak to someone and they and they sound quite well educated, you think, well, he can't be in here. He's got to be in here for some type of fraud or something because right. you can see that he's, uh, he's he's used his brain to try and get a few quid, you know. But then, but then you could you could be totally wrong, yeah. and the person could turn out. I met a guy that was in there. He'd done about thirty-five years, forty years, and like he was in for two or three murders and that and. I don't, I don't, I don't. some of these people, like that, especially if they've been in a long time, they're they quite well educated, like self-education. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. Because yeah,
1: you've read a lot of books on this, that, and the other, and and, and you're dealing with people all the time, and you will have done a load of courses that they've got in the prison, psychological courses, and
0: oh.
1: so and you've got time in there, you're reading the papers all the time and watching the news, and so um, you're you're quite clued up on
0: a lot of things, you know. I wanted to ask you about because I was talking about that sort of the the martial artist guy because I I saw an interview where somebody claimed to beat up 10 prison officers now obviously it's an interesting story Mm. but I said to this martial arts guy I said you know is that possible because you've you've trained all your life he's a black belt in three different martial arts he's done boxing chess boxing two different styles of karate and Brazilian jiu-jitsu and he said realistically I reckon I could mm, two maybe three at most
1: what, that he could do? Yeah, with.
0: that he could take on at the same time. He said, they have to be facing me. Mm. He said, I, I couldn't really do more than that. He said, not when they're highly trained. I suppose what I'm asking is, you know, you see in the films, you get a guy, you can beat up 10 men. Have you met anyone like that?
1: <laughs> I don't know whether they can beat up 10 men at all, but um, uh, there's a, a guy that I met and he became a friend of mine, uh, Kevin, uh, Kevin Lane, and... Um, he had a, quite a few rounds with uh, prison uh, prison officers in there, and uh, I heard a story of uh, of him like when they tried to go into his cell. There was maybe five, six, five, between five and ten of them, the muftis were to to go in and give him a hiding and all that. And he and he fought all of them, and they uh, they had to go off and go and get another team to, to come back to him, you know. And so like, because oh, Kevin very tough, he's, he's tough as nails, you know. And uh, and and that was a story, but he wasn't big headed with it or nothing. He's a, 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 a really nice guy.
0: Yeah. Okay. And and,
1: when and when then, you- then mufties, they would all have crash helmets on and and, and body armor and everything. And, and like, but because he could have a row, well, I don't know what was driving him. And but they might have been belting him with their sticks or or trying to punch him. And I don't know how they're all trying to get into his cell. Maybe they couldn't all get in at once. So if people are, if there's ten of them and they can't get in at you, then if there's only two or three of them can get get to you. Then I could understand where that guy that you were saying he was an MMA fighter and you could, he could only take on two or three people. Um, it all depends how they're coming at you, I suppose.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay. mm. no, just it's interesting because I mean, you know, because the, obviously there's there's a lot of talk about what people can do and mm. a lot of bravado as well. And I'm just mm. wondering how accurate. You know, I understand it. I'm not knocking people for it, but I'm just wondering how much of the swagger is swagger and how much of it is real.
1: You don't usually hear. Many cases of uh, of the prisoners fighting that amount of staff because you are you'll be a person would be outnumbered anyway. You're 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 in their house, aren't you? Yeah. And so um, they're not going to let you. They're not going to let you win. But a lot of prisoners do fight them. And and but like I say, it's they they you're totally outnumbered in there and and out, outnumbered and outgunned. Yeah.
0: And what about? Um... What about sort of fights amongst prisoners? Because that that must happen. But is is it as common as people say it is?
1: Well, I think there's more fights down in a in a in a lower category jail. Like when I was in a high security jail, you didn't see much violence going on there. And uh, and in there, you've got people doing life sentences, and that and you've got some serious people in there. And it's like there's a level of respect that that, that you give to the other people, and that, and. And um, you don't want no, you don't you don't want to be going around fighting. It's it's it's, it's kind of like a pointless, ain't it? So they they're not going around fighting. But the lower down you get into the system, from a category A prison down to a category B, then into a category C. When you get down into a category C prison, you've got people there might be doing three years, two two years, four years, five years. They're only doing short sentences. So some of these people they don't give they don't give two shits, you know. And so um. So they might be fighting quite more. You'd see them fighting quite often down there, and youngsters, you know, like maybe 20, in their early twenties, and it.
0: Okay. Mm. That that, oh, that that's that's interesting. That it would be, you would think that a maximum security prison would be more violent.
1: It could be more violent, yeah, because people could get killed in there, yeah. and like, and, and people have been killed in there, and but that's that's the difference between the uh, the high security prison and and a. Uh, and the lower security one, you know, if the higher security one, if a fight does go off in a high security prison, like when I was in Whitemore, if a fight went off, like all the, all the staff would come running down the landings uh, all, and, and a lot of them were all ex-army fellas and, and they have been in the service for years. And uh, they would all be just running straight down all the landings and lock everyone up, say, everyone behind the door, behind the doors. And uh, so they had a kind of like a routine that they would go through. If a fight started anywhere, bang everyone up, just get them behind the doors. Whereas you go further down into the cat seat, cat B, or a category category B prison, category B or category C uh, prison, they're not they're not so well run as the way the um uh, as long as as the way the um the high security prisons are, you know.
0: Yeah. Was there a point where, because obviously you're 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 very different to what you were. You know, mm. you're, you're a different guy now to when you were a bank robber, which makes perfect sense because we all change anyway. But was was there a point when you suddenly decided I've had enough of crime? By the time I'd got out, I said I'd had
1: enough of it because I was sick to death of it. Like, but I still feel like I'm the same person, you know. Like, maybe I've I've changed mentally. Like my uh, I'm not in, I'm not interested in committing any crimes, but. even all all the time when I was robbing banks I didn't feel like I was a gangster or nothing whereas you would be portrayed by the media or or the police and that uh, they're gangsters and all that kind of stuff but I never seen myself that way and I I wasn't interested in being seen that way I carried on the same before I robbed the bankers the same as I carried on afterwards but uh, I got out after about 10 or 11 years and I got recalled back into prison because when I went out for a day I, I ended up getting steamed up went to the pub and so when I went back to the prison steamed up couple of days later, they kicked me out of that open prison and, and sent me up to Norwich. And after doing that 18 months, like I had just said I was sick to death of it. I goes, because like when I went up there and I seen everyone and and you hear all the bullshit that's going on in there, like people just talking rubbish all the time. And you're thinking, fuck, Jesus, you just do anything for a bit of a decent conversation or and all this. And, and you don't want to be in there, you know
0: what what kind of rubbish Were they, were they talk were I
1: mean, they just a lot didn't... of them would be, they'd be talking about oh, what they're going to do when they get out or they'd be making out how many millions they've all got out they've, they've all got we used to joke we'd say look how many they're all millionaires in here look because like, they're all making out they've got this outside I've got this nice car I've got that I've got millions uh, and they're all giving it the big and they're all walking around like they've got a stone in their shoe like giving it the Rudy walk or, or whatever and and they've got a lot of bravado around them and, and giving it the big and that and, and it's all just bullshit and fake, you know. You're thinking, and you. So in the end, you, you don't want to be. I didn't want to be. I didn't want to be part of it anymore. Like walking around amongst all them and so. And 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 over the last few years, where I'd started reading a lot, and um, I suppose when you're reading all the books, it's, it's helping to change your mind and your outlook, and and at the same time, you're growing. You're getting older, and and you're getting more mature, and that and so um, you've changed, and you think about things differently, and. And uh, and so that's it. You know, you just change and So it's been a slow process. Seems to me of getting out of all that kind of way of life. And uh, and it's not for me.
0: Yeah. Okay. When you so so when, when you got out of jail, then once you left Norwich, how hard is it when you've come out of prison to sort of to adapt? Is it difficult to adapt to like a you know a normal life?
1: You you're, you're basically you're back at square one again like on a snakes and ladders board you one minute you're up at the top and next when you're back down again you're going up and you keep going back down and so you're back at square 1 you've you're back out of prison you ain't got no money and you're back where you started you're homeless and you're living in a hostel and um, and and because of that I suppose that's why a lot of people reoffend because like they're coming back out they're, you're you're coming out of prison and you haven't got a, you ain't got a penny i got released and they gave me uh, one week's stolen money about 74 quid and what are you going to do with that? Like, they can't, just buy food for the week. Yeah. How can you travel around? You can't hardly get... You haven't hardly got the money to travel to get a job. You haven't got the skills to get a job. So, to adapt back into society, it takes a while after, after 10, 11 years in a nick. Yeah, it must do. Like, even after this lockdown that we've had here, we've had a lockdown for three or four months. People are coming out and, and, and things have changed and and you're having... People are getting... You can see that people have got mental problems... Even after the lockdown, they've been locked down for three months. With all the stress that they haven't been putting up with, and the fear that's been put on them, through the media and all that kind of stuff. And so you're you, you're having to adapt. And and for me coming out, I remember getting on a bus, and um, you get on a bus and you see all these cameras everywhere. That wasn't like that when I went into prison. Like, and you yeah. can see the TV screen in in upstairs in the bus. You can see who's sitting behind you, and I thought. And even getting off the bus, the bus lowered itself down to the height of the kerb. That really shocked me, you know, when I seen all, these, all this new kind of technology going on. And and and, and you've got to adapt and, and try and take all that on. And, and a lot more things are done by a computer. When you're trying to apply for jobs, when you go down, you have to go down and start making a claim for unemployment benefit or whatever it is. And you've got to, uh, you've got to try and do all these kind of things. And I seen people in there, like, I had done computer courses, so I was fairly computer literate at the time. But I remember a girl sitting next to me and how frustrated she was getting up. And she'd got off, got off the chair and started screaming at the computer. And, and I thought, because it's hard work, you know, just trying to adapt and and trying to find work.
0: It, and it, it just sounds like, you know, you, you do your sentence and then do, do they... They come along and they say, "Well, that's it. You can go now." That's it. Yeah, yeah. And you, and there's nothing else. Then there's no because I. am Sorry if I sound naive, but I'm just trying to get my head around the fact that you know you, you've you've done your punishment. Yeah. And but you're just given a week's dole money and you're told, "Well, that there's the door." That's right. Yeah.
1: But because I because I'd done a big sentence, I came out. I was still classed as um. They do a risk assessment of your. And I and on that risk assessment, I was still classed as a high risk of harm to the public, so they put me into a hostel, and I stayed in the hostel for about two months, and uh, from there I had to find a place for myself to, to to move on to, so I was having to ask friends or family, can I have you got any room for me and that, and uh, like you, you you don't get anywhere to live off the probation services, they don't help you get anywhere and I remember saying it to my probation officer at the time down in Wilsdon I said to her I goes what help I goes have you been to me I said since I've been out and she goes well what what would you like as as help I goes I would expect or I goes I would hope I goes what I would call as help if you said oh Vincent we've got you a job doing this and here's the keys to um there's the keys to a flat they've got cancelled flats up and down all over the place that's what I goes that's what I would call help yeah. I goes whereas you're coming out I goes I've got to do everything myself they might say, oh, you can look on this website, or you can look on that website. That's not thats not help, direct point. I can find that. You can probably find all that kind of stuff that they're telling you is there, that you can find all that yourself. I don't I don't class that as help, them just pointing you in the right direction until you go off and do it. Because your brain's done in from being in a nick for all them years for one thing, and you've got to start trying to do this and start trying to do that. And you ain't got a penny in your pocket hardly, and you're thinking... Fucking hell, this is too much, you know, and it's and it, and is it a lot for people? And it is a lot for people to try and to cope with and that. And so um, so you're trying to find a job and I um, I found a place to stay. A friend of mine put me up and I moved into his place. I was in the, shared a house with him for about two years or three years. Mm. And then I just moved on from there into somewhere else. And now I'm living where I am now.
0: But if you didn't have any friends, though, or you didn't know anybody, then you
1: you're, then you ain't got hope.
0: Because presumably a lot changes in ten years. It's Not just yeah, technology, right. yeah. is it? Friendships yeah. change. Yeah, as friendships
1: well. change as well. Yeah, and like a lot of the people that I had known, they'd all moved out of the area where I was brought up. And so, um, yeah, if you didn't have any friends or someone to put you up, then you're you're in a you're in a bad position, you know.
0: When you, when you were in the hostel, it's, am I right in saying that was when you got into salsa dancing? That's right, yeah. Okay, now, the one thing, I w- well, there's three things I would never do. I wouldn't do singing, I wouldn't get naked in public, and I'm terrified of dancing. Why is mean, that then? I just don't know. I'm, and I really want to know, sort of, I, I guess, the appeal of salsa dancing. Mm. Are, are you not you're not is, it not is it not scary I mean
1: talk me, no, talk me through no it's not scary it. at all um, like I was walking around down in Crookerwood and um, uh, in the Crown Moran Hotel upstairs they were playing the music like uh, the Cuban music and I overheard it and I remember asking the girl at the desk what are they doing in there because when I looked in and I seen everyone dancing and smiling and happy and she goes oh that's Cuban salsa I said I have to learn it and that was it I joined up with them Cuban Vibes these these guys that run a salsa place down in Cricklewood. I joined up with them and um and that was it they had the patience to teach me. I I I still remember there one of the guys there not Carl and there was another another fellow and he was teaching me the basic steps and I thought there must be something wrong with me. I I can't pick this up. Right. And uh, and I was there week after week and I thought he's got so much patience this guy. And uh, and I just kept at it. And um and I thought this is brilliant because it gave me a social life instead of the other social life is just going to a pub yeah and um because you know just to unwind if a person's working all the time or even if you're not working you even if you're even if you're out robbing banks like I was you're robbing banks and doing a little few days here and there but you need a social life or somewhere where you can go and have a chat and a bit of a so a bit of a get together and enjoy yourself you know that sounds so that that was it that that really helped me you know to uh, to get away from the, the pub scene where... Because yeah. it was the pub scene that had caused me a lot of the problems over the years. Either getting money to go out drinking or being uh, drunk too much and it's got me into problems. And uh, like losing jobs or, or staying out all night and the rest of it.
0: That's something that's just occurred to me then actually. You say about the importance of having a social life even if you, you're a bank robber. What was it like to have a relationship with somebody... You, so you're going to be in a relationship with someone. Yeah. At what point do you say, "I rob banks"?
1: Well, g- God knows. But I was already in a relationship, a uh, long-term relationship, uh, when I got into it. Obviously, when it, when when she heard that I was robbing banks, she didn't want me to be robbing them, but I carried on, you know. Right. Yeah, I carried on. Yeah.
0: And <laughs> would you would you ever? to discuss it with her would you ever? did she
1: want to know any no, details she wouldn't want to know any details
0: I wouldn't tell her nothing about it So, you, you
1: wouldn't tell anyone anything about it like you would just go and do your job and, and that would be the end of it you wouldn't go home you know, saying what I've done today oh would this happen and that happen blah 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 they don't want to know it and right. and obviously they care about you they don't want you to be getting you're risking yourself getting nicked yeah. and the relationship going down going down the pan and so um, that's what? it but yeah I was stuck in it you know you're like,
0: oh yeah but in terms of your mental well-being, though, is it not... I'm, I'm sort of putting on my kind of amateur psychologist hat here. Is it not bad to not be able to go home and, and say, kind I had a terrible day at work?
1: No, it's not like that at all, no. Like, mentally, it seemed like... Um, no, I didn't have any mental problems with dealing with um, uh, doing armed robberies, and it never bothered me. That's
0: interesting.
1: And, like, um, like sometime we might just go to the pub afterwards... And uh, you're just down there having a having a few drinks. You might be drinking if you get in the pub at three o'clock in the afternoon. You might be leaving that pub at one o'clock in the morning, yeah. and you're there with a few of the lads, and you're all just having a drink. You're not even talking about that you've been that you've robbed a bank that day. You're just it doesn't it doesn't matter. Like you, you just, it's it's just part of your life, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, it didn't know it was it wasn't
0: causing any mental problems. And it's so, yeah okay that that's that's really yeah. interesting. Um, so as far as as salsa goes, do you've obviously got good friends doing the salsa? Do they know about your robbing Banks? Because there's something yeah. quite there's something mm. quite interesting. I don't know, it it does it does bring a smile to my face. You know the salsa dancing mm. bank robber. It just does.
1: Oh no, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Um because I'm writing my autobiography and I'm thinking of calling it um, from armed robbery to Cuban salsa, you know, yeah. and and um, yeah, but I, some people in the in the salsa scene, um, when I got to know them well, I would tell them that, that that was my, that's what I used to do and 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 they're shocked, because right? I don't come across that. I don't know, yeah. I people seem to have the perception that they think, I don't know what they think an armed robber's gonna be looking like, but when they meet that, that, I've, that I've got convicted of all these robberies, they think, "What the fuck? They can't, they can't believe it." And some, <laughs> some people they just laugh, like because they're shocked. Yeah. They say, "Wow, I would never have thought of that." Yeah. And uh, but even then, you don't speak. You don't. It's nothing to be bragging about. And we just say, "Yeah." And so I might just say, "Yeah, yeah I got locked up for a load of robberies and all that kind of stuff." And 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 that was it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I notice that you and you know sort of understated it, but then I get why you do because it was just. It was just your job. It was yeah. just what what you did. I really want to ask you about hypnotherapy. Oh yeah, because I find that fascinating. Hmm. Now, obviously, f- first of all, first question, I guess, through the process of getting qualified,
1: yeah, you must have had
0: to have been hypnotised yourself. Um, Is that right?
1: I didn't have to get hypnotised when I when I when I went to do the training. Okay. Um, thinking back on it the guy did hypnotise me and I was the first one to offer to get hypnotised out of our group ok because um, how was that well uh, I liked it yeah yeah I, I, I was interested in it and I thought to myself like when I was at school and I didn't do anything I was just sitting at the back of the class not doing anything and I thought if any teacher ever asked a question I don't want him to ask me because because I haven't been listening to what they're saying or anything but so now my, my whole mindset had now changed like and so when I got the opportunity, if they say, "Oh, is there any volunteers here?" My hand goes straight up because I wanna, I wanna get over there. I'm not going to be sitting down uh, nervous about getting up. I think, well, if someone's going to do it and make a, make a, make an idiot of themselves, I thought if I'm gonna, they're not going to be able to judge me because I'm going to be the first one up there. So, kind of thing. And so, I went up there. and I got hypnotized by the the teacher, and um, yeah, I enjoyed it. And 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 I done that course and got qualified. You know.
0: And. Uh, and as part of the qualification, you must have hypnotized people then?
1: Yeah, I did, yeah.
0: Okay. What What's that? What, what's the first The first time you hypnotize someone? Is there not part of you that thinks, wow, this actually works?
1: Well, the first time I hypnotized someone, um, I don't know, mate, may, I must have hypnotized them in the bank, I think, where you put the people in, because you're putting the people into a state of mind, you know? Yeah. Uh, and uh, so you're putting them, you want to put them into a state of mind where they're going to do what they're told. And so, basically, you're doing that with, when you're robbing a bank. You're doing that, and and you're now, but now you're doing it uh, to help a person to um, to pack up smoking or help them to relax more. Or, and so, I I enjoyed it. I done I done that. Um, but the first time I done it on the on the, when I was doing that training, it was obviously I was a bit clumsy. I was because there was so much information that came, like how how you do this, uh, how you get people into a hypnotic. Uh, state and um, so I was trying to take all that on and and so you ain't doing too well I in my opinion of, of trying to hypnotize the person that you're working with but so then even after that course then I've done another couple of other courses like rapid induction courses and um, yeah. and I would uh, you would hypnotize uh, and there might be 20 other people on the course and you'll be working your way around hypnotizing them and uh, and it feels good you know to be able to do it and and that would be that
0: yeah, I, mm. I, I think it's an amazing thing. I'm just trying to imagine what it's like mm. to be because you know the hypnotherapists use scripts, obviously. So you know you you've got your script, you're talking to someone, and then suddenly there they are. But The thing is with the, with the scripts, a
1: lot of hypnotherapists they all got different opinions on scripts. Like some some hypnotists would say they don't recommend it, and some that they may do. You know, and, and so if you're trying to do it on a spur at a moment, you haven't got a, you haven't got a script. So you, you can put uh, you put uh, you do an induction with them first. You start doing a pre-talk, tell them what hypnosis is, and, and tell them all about it. And then you induct, do the, your induction, whether it's a rapid induction with a, like a handshake in, in induction, like you can shake their hand and 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 pull them quickly, and and they'll be in a, they'll, And you'll put them into that state that you want them to. Right. Or you can do a, like a progressive uh, relaxation where you can just tell them breathe in a few times and. Hold and breathe out and, and relax and close your eyes and go into a nice relaxed state and feel that hypnosis going over the top of your head all the way down through your body from the top of your head to the tips of your toes, blah, blah, blah. And and so you can. there's a few different ways that you can hypnotise people. And it's good to be able to do it. And so I, I was happy to do that. And now and I got that qualification. And I still remember um, walking down the road on a Sunday afternoon after getting it and I thought, I can't believe I'm a hypnotherapist. I thought... <laughs> This is fucking unbelievable, I thought. Because, you know, it has it had that kind of magical kind of or mystical kind of uh thing, a hypnotherapist. You think like, oh, come on. when you hear of it over the years, you think, well, imagine if you could do that. Yeah. Like, yeah, people all think, oh, imagine you could hypnotise someone and say, yeah, just walk into a bank or somewhere and say, oh, look into my eyes, give me a million pound or something <laughs> like that. But it's not like that. But you've, you've it's got a kind of mystical kind of thing to it. And so... To, for me to have achieved uh, a diploma in it, yeah. I was happy, you know, and 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 because it's like I felt like it would be something out of my reach, and 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 uh, so to get it was was good for me.
0: Absolutely, mm-hmm. and and that and that brings me, I suppose, to lim- limited beliefs and NLP as exactly, well. Exactly, that's that, right. Yeah. That, when when did you discover NLP? I,
1: I was in prison, and um, and someone had told me about it, and uh, and they said it's used by barristers and prosecutors, business people, and all this kind of stuff. Right. And when they told me some uh, bits about it, I thought, I'm interested in this. It's like I had a, always had an interest in how the mind works yeah. and the psychology of the mind. And, that, and As I progressed through the prison system, and as I started getting into uh, other prisons, I started getting books about NLP. I would be ordering them from outside, and I'd be asking the library, can you get books on NLP? And I'd be reading them. So that's how I got into it. And then when I came out, I seen advertised online um an NLP practitioner training with Richard Bandler, Dr. Bandler. Yeah. He's the co-founder of it. And I thought, wow, he's over here in London. I thought I've got a I've got a goal there, you know. And so um before that before that practitioner course, uh, Richard Bandler was here with Paul McKenna, you know, the famous yeah. hypnotist. Yeah. And I seen that advertised online, so I booked up for that, just for the weekend course. And it was on that course, I was sitting next to some fellow and I said, what do you know about NLP? And he goes, I haven't got a clue. He goes, i just seen this course advertised online. I thought, that looks interesting. And I thought, what the fuck? I thought, and there's me with my limiting beliefs thinking that everyone's going to know everything about it. Yeah. And here I am now talking to a guy who hadn't a clue what it was about. I'd read a good few books on it. And so um, I'd done that course. And then I'd done the, the practitioner course, a week's training with, with Richard Bandler and um and 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 I think that stopped that started springboarding me into action and then one course led to another and it was giving me the confidence to go on to the next course and um and then i've seen the uh, i've done a few hypnosis courses and then i i've um i now then i've seen the uh, the firewalk instructor course uh, which i want to do and which I'm booked in for to do it in september to become the firewalk instructor because for me it's all about the limiting beliefs that held me back over the years thinking that, because i didn't do any education at school but now I've got, now i've got the chance to doing stuff that i want to do this is stuff that i'm interested in yeah. at school i wasn't interested in anything and so i'm going to do the firewalk instructors course and um and and see what becomes of that and hopefully through that if i can teach people how to walk across burning hot coal uh, barefooted and across broken glass and and breaking techniques like where you can do like karate chop through bricks and blocks and uh, an and arrow breaking where you walk towards the arrow with it pressed up against your throat and um, the stick will break and so i'm going to do all this stuff and, and hopefully teach it to other people to let them see what they can do you know just by focusing their mind and that's why that's what my hope is for the future to do all that for people
0: did you ever ever imagine that that would be your aim
1: I never thought no, but when I when I read about the firewalking in in Anthony Robbins book, uh, I thought I've got to do that, and that was more than ten years ago. I said when I seen that book and I read it and I thought, and that always stuck in the back of my mind, you know, that that firewalking thing. And, and so when I seen it advertised, I thought I've got to do it, and that's costing me the best part of nearly two thousand pounds to do. But I said I don't care how much it costs, so I've got I've got to do it, and even if nothing became of, even if I didn't go into firewalking instructor. Uh, training or teaching afterwards, it it wouldn't bother me so much because I, I'm doing it mainly for myself, you know. That and yeah. the same with the hypnotherapy. I thought I'm spending this money so that I make better decisions, you know, and, and so that I can think better and and, and let me see. It's just to make it makes me feel good. Yeah. And uh, if you can put other people in that good state of mind, then um, then I'm happy with that, you know, because I, I like to see them go around happy. If I can put the smile on the other person's face, then then I feel good, you know.
0: What would your fellow inmates have, have made of you wanting to be a hypnotherapist? And was it the sort of thing that you could talk about to other people in jail? Could you say to like your padmate or just people in there, "I'm I'm gonna make gonna become a better person"? Uh, not becoming a better person. I hadn't saying that to them
1: in there. But there was a friend of mine that um, that I met in the prison, and he he like. Even when I was still in contact with him, like, he's, he's doing well for himself now as a plumber. He told me, he goes, yeah, Vinny, he goes, I remember when we was in the nick together, he goes, you told me that you wanted to become a hypnotherapist. And I goes, really? I goes, I couldn't believe it. And then, so I had told him that years before, and even when I had moved out of one of my addresses, I found some paperwork with some of my uh, dreams and goals written down, and one of them was to become a hypnotherapist. And so I had written it down, you know, and, and I thought, I can't believe this stuff, like, I'm writing down... Because I'd got into books like *The Secret* and reading about yeah. the Law of Attraction and 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 putting yourself on the right frequency to to achieve your goals and stuff, and so that's what I try to do, you know, and like doing through meditation and all this kind of stuff, or any anything to to make me like a better person. And I I done a Reiki course, like Reiki healing, and because yeah. uh, I was always interested in that kind of thing from when I was young, like with the martial arts. Because I done some a few different martial arts, like. Kai karate and I did. Oh, that's uh, that's full contact, isn't
0: full it? Full
1: contact, yeah. And I did uh, like jujitsu for a while and Krav Maga. Oh, oh.
0: Uh, and I,
1: I I liked them all, you know. Like even with the jujitsu, when I I'd be the guys would wrap me up or and they'd get me into it, and I was like, ah and I'd be screaming if he's bent my arm up this way. But they say you're all right. I say yeah, I love it. I love it. And I thought I, I thought there must be something wrong with me. I'm loving getting this pain, you know what? because it was like magic you know like, learn, like especially learning the jiu is like magic to me yeah and it's stuff that i had wanted to do from when i was a kid but i didn't have the money and uh and so so i i got into it now when i was older
0: do you think if someone had maybe handed you a book you know the secret at 18 or and said hey listen th- th- go on a hypnosis course or you know, or or read about NLP or firewalking—that you would have had a different life. Was it lack of opportunity? Do
1: you think? Yeah, I think it was a lack of opportunity, and and, and because like I, I was always interested in sport and and and, and karate and stuff, but uh, there wasn't very many karate clubs. It seemed around uh, Wilsdon where I lived, so you 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 weren't getting into it, and like uh, every weekend you were just going out getting drunk. And uh, that seemed to be always the same pattern every every single weekend. You're doing that for more than twenty years, yeah. uh, and and it seemed like there was nowhere else. Anything you wanted to do, like as you're you're growing up, and it's, it didn't seem like there was any opportunities like local to where I was living. Yeah. But if I'd have got into things like the the, the secret or um Firewalking, and that. I, th- I think I if I'd have seen them type of demonstrations going on, I would have I would have wondered how do did, how did they manage that? I but I, I, then again, I, I would have still thought at that time I'm not able to do that because maybe it was because I was young or I didn't have the confidence in myself to be doing uh, doing that kind of stuff. And so so now I have to I I want to do these things to prove it to myself that it can be done, and uh, to hopefully uh, get other people to have more belief in themselves that they can do similar stuff
0: yeah and
1: uh, and um because if you can if you can do it you can if you can walk across i've met a good few people like that uh, that have done uh, that have been interested in nlp and they've even done the fire walking. and I thought wow it's like sooner because I've got interested in the firewalking then all of a sudden I'm starting to attract people or or I've met people that have all done the same thing and uh, and it made me realize that that I'm putting myself on that same frequency that they're on you know and uh, and uh, and the people are earning a living out of it, or and or or even if they're not doing it, firewalk instructor, they're, they're doing some business, and it's helping them in their in their business, you know. It's because it apparently it changes your whole mindset that you believe that you can, if you can do the firewalking, what else can you do? And, and so it's stuff that I want to do for myself to, uh, just to get rid of any limiting beliefs of of my own. And
0: I do I do wonder sometimes about prison and um, in that and I want to say this in the right way, I mean this in the most positive way, it seems like there's a lot of people with a lot of talent and a lot of skills in there, I'm sure there's people who aren't, mm. who kind of, who almost, might, I don't want to say waste their opportunities.
1: Well, I met a lot of people in there, um, uh, people in there, and they'd be writing um, songs and poetry and all this kind of stuff, and, and sometimes you'd meet them and... Um, Especially, I, a lot of black people that I would meet in there would be good, good like songwriters and and uh, and all this kind of stuff. And I used to say to someone, "What the hell are you doing in here? Like with skills like that, you should be outside writing songs and and and, and doing something in a music career, you know." Yeah. But for one reason or another, people have just got stuck in the nick. Yeah, people are after people are after a quick power note or or whatever, you know. Yeah, you know the, the opportunities are there. Sometimes, if you if you if you look out, if you look for them and. But if you if you've got advice and you need some advice from some people sometimes.
0: That that that's the thing that, that leaps out at me is the fact that people don't necessarily have access to advice. Mm. And so how are they meant to how are they meant to be rehabilitated?
1: I know, yeah. Well even with the the rehabilitation, I, I think in there they should be teaching people a lot more of the practical skills and um like building courses. In the high security nick in Whitemore they were teaching carpentry um, plastering and painting and decorating, which I done all them courses in there. I got qualified in there. And in some of the other nicks that I was in, like a HMP Wayland in Norwich, they've got a good few construction courses in there, electrical engineering and and that. And I think they that that, that should be, the, the people they should have access to that when they're in there. And like because you can, if the people are doing that type of training, if they get taught up to level two or level three. It can come out and go straight into a job. Because the construction industry, it doesn't matter if you've got a criminal record, the people will take you on, you know. You can work on site and get yourself nearly £1,000 a week. Yeah. and So it's a way
0: out then, isn't it? Yeah, of
1: course it is, yeah. And with the money, you can do other things, you know.
0: Yeah. I was going to... One of the things I meant... One of the sort of final things, I guess. I kind of want... You know that there's... there's, there's almost a new wave, actually, of, of sort of crime books, in a way, because I'm trying to think when it was there was the celebrity gangster, as they called it, sort of phase. You know, where people would write their life story, yeah, and they okay. would, and and the critique was always, "Oh, you're sensationalizing it and all that." How do how do people who've done you know, real time and people who've been career criminals think of celebrity type criminals or do they not
1: I'm not too sure I'm not too sure whether they really think about them you know like I worked in a few uh, li- uh, libraries when I was in the prison and uh, a lot of the crime books they get taken out by a lot of the people that come in there they're reading them all the time and right. I've probably picked up one or two in, in my lifetime and I and, and in the end I wouldn't bother reading them because I thought to me it's just all the same story you know like a lot of them have all we've all grown up the same people are growing up in poor areas and they turn a the crime from one thing to the next shoplifting next when they're doing armed robberies or the, yeah. or they turn drug dealer or something like that you know and it seems like it's the same type of story uh, all around the world it seems like the poverty it seems to me that's what i think is like is that it's the poverty is creating the crime is it? The, the, like and sometimes when i think okay look my i got brothers they didn't get involved in crime and i did so we all make our choices whether we want to get involved in it or not some people have go managed to go to work. I wasn't able to stick at a job, and so if I can't stick at a job, what am I going to do? I, I've got to, I've got to survive as well. So, so you get involved in crime, and um and that's it. And it seems to me that's what a lot of people all over the world are doing. If they haven't got the money and they can't get a job, what are they going to do?
0: You know, it's interesting that you say that a lot of the books are, are similar. I mean, I, I I find them really interesting anyway. But to get back to the book that you're going to do, yeah. What what's going to be like the overall message from that?
1: My overall message in that, I would I would I wouldn't be I would be discouraging people from getting involved in crime because for me I said why you're going in? It's like you're why why put yourself through all that suffering of of going into prison and uh, and uh, and creating problems in your own family and um, you're breaking your own family up. Like you got, you might have a wife or. A girlfriend and kids, and you're going to go and get yourself. You're risking getting yourself locked up for five, ten, or fifteen, twenty years. You're destroying your whole family. You're making a victim of yourself and and your whole family. Never mind the other victims of crime that you might have robbed them, or 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 you've given them drugs and got someone hooked on drugs. You're 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 ruining your own life as well, you know. And so I I wouldn't be that. That would be the message for me from in my book is to for people to find positive um positive. Uh, social activities for people to be doing, like like Cuban salsa or bachata or Kazamba and and going out and and living a law-abiding kind of lifestyle like that. And that's not and that's not to say that I agree with all the rules that are out here because I think there's loads of unjust rules out here, like even even all the parking parking fines and everything is all all that still really an, annoys me if I get a parking ticket. Oh, yeah. I got one the other day and uh, they they drive me nuts like parking here parking there just for two minutes five minutes you come back and you've got they don't care about how much money you've got you're getting a 65 pound fine and and, uh, and and all that I just I don't believe in all that I think it's unfair you know but that's the system that's the way they've got it wrapped up and uh, yeah. it's not like I agree with it all but yeah I've got to obey myself don't I and, uh, and I don't want to bother going back into the prison like you can't even go on the internet when you're in the prison and like and and I'm happy out here, like you've got the YouTube channel I can go on there. I can watch any videos that I want which which I'm happy with and uh, and 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 meeting nice people you know, and sit in a coffee shop, sit down and have a coffee and a nice bit of cake or whatever, or go in a nice restaurant. You can't do that in a nick. you're stuck in there as much as they as much as some people out here think, oh people in there have got it easy, they're still locked away and uh, and uh, and they wish they was out there's people in there millionaires, and they wish they was out here. And so, and, and they would give, people would give their millions back that they've earned, like through drugs or whatever. Sometimes you would give it back just to get out. Wow, that's Because uh... it is sickening in there sometimes, you know, you're, you're having to put up with all the stuff, as, but you're just making the most of it. There's no point beating yourself up in there or, or feeling sad and, and depressing yourself. You've got to stay positive. And uh, and and do your thing, you know, and and so that's it. So if people was was in there and they've educated themselves, I used to say when I was in there, how many people do you meet in here that have got a degree? And that's why I used to think that uh, that it's that it's only the people that most most of the people they're not educated in there or they're not formally educated because like there's no one hardly in there with a degree. And if, if you've got a degree and you're educated to a certain level, you're not going to be going around doing stupid things and. Yeah. Maybe there's more opportunities for you outside when you've got an education and stuff.
0: What, what would you... Because you know that there's going to be people who are cynical and they're going to say, not necessarily about you, but about mm. anyone. Yeah. Nah. You're, once you're a criminal, you're always a
1: criminal. Yeah, but it, yeah, and there is people that are cynical of it. Like, even when I've done an interview before and I told him, like, my brother Sean, he's, he's just got his degree in criminology and, and social science and uh and he's going for his honors and and someone had written on there oh why is it these pd why are these prisoners they can go they can get a degree in prison and and, and we're out here and we've got to pay for it all we that's just the way it is ain't it and and what do they want if the person doesn't educate themselves in there they got more chance of just coming out here and doing all the same thing and then your taxpayers money is being used to hold them all in there the man it cost about thirty pound a year to hold a prisoner in just a normal jail, if you're in a high security jail, it's costing more to keep you in there for a year. You're not even earning. I'm not earning. I'll be lucky if I was earning thirty grand a year out here. Yeah. So the money is better off to be spent on a good education for for the people over here, outside at schools and with the with the colleges and everything. You can get onto free courses out here, which is good, you know. And
0: I'd have thought of that that a criminal would make a good criminologist, surely.
1: Well, my brother, he was a um, his university lecturer went into the prison to see him, and he said um, he's going to speak to his professor about my brother Sean. He said uh, maybe you, you, you might be able to get a job at the United Nations working as a crit- critical criminologist because he's lived on both sides of the fence, and he's done he's done nearly twenty years now, or he's done about twenty years. Yeah. And um, you know the transformation in him has has been has been has, it's been it's been huge. You know, like since he's got his degree and, and done three years uh, in a group therapy and all that kind of stuff. You couldn't get, you couldn't get that treatment out here. Like un- Unraveling himself, to un- undoing all that, the so-called unlike, uh, like a peeling back the layers of an onion. That's what it's been like for when you're on a the group therapy in there.
0: Where did he do the therapy? He's
1: done that in, in Gartry. Okay. They've got a therapeutic wing there and there's probably about 20 of them or, or whatever on these groups. Yeah. And that's for five mornings a week, two or three hours at a time. And oh, it's, yeah. so it's intense yeah and so um but he's come out a better person you know but he'll, if he if he was able to get a job at united nations as a critical criminologist but that, that's just amazing for our family i think it's and it's good and he's encouraged me now to go for my degree so i've applied and so i'm um i'm just waiting for the funding now to be cleared and i'm going to go for a degree in criminology and psychology
0: that's great. Yeah, that's amazing.
1: Yeah, so I've bought a few books on it already to prepare myself for when the course starts this year.
0: Yeah,
1: and because uh, I've always been, in, it's like I've always been involved in crime, anyhow, since I was a kid. And so, I, and when I used to pick up these crime books, like something like that, the causes of crime and all that, that kind of stuff used to interest me when I was growing up. And so now it, it kind of just makes sense to um to be studying it so to get better understanding of myself and and why crime is being committed and that. And if I get the opportunity to go into a, into any place, school or prison, talking to the people, then obviously the more knowledge I've got on on criminology and and psychology, the better. And and and, and all this is will help me when I'm when I'm when I'm moving forward. Um, when I'm board, when I'm working, if I get the job as a fire and instructor, all this kind of stuff, you know, it's, yeah, the transformation that has happened in my life is I can pass that on to other people and and. And stop them making the same mistakes that i done, hopefully.
0: Perfect. Thank you very much for listening. And thanks, of course, to Vinny for being such a great guest and being such great company. Good luck with everything, Vinny. I'm going to kind of stick my neck out now. I might regret saying this, but I'd really like to be one of your first firewalking students. And uh, I might live to regret it, like I said, but I, I would like to give it a go. And I'm not brave in the slightest. So thank you for all your support. You know, this means an awful lot to me. I've got some great guests coming up soon. I have Darren Barden, who was stabbed 20 times. And uh, he talks about that. And the twist being that he's never been involved in crime. And the other person I'm speaking to, or have spoken to, I should say, is Lee Ryan, who was originally from Leicester. He was the guy who the media dubbed the Lotto Lag, and he won six and a half million pounds. He prayed to God whilst he was in jail and ended up a lottery winner. And now he is skint, but really happy. So those are two brilliant conversations that are coming up very soon. Thank you for your support. Take care of yourselves. And I will speak to you soon. Bye for now.